is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Starting things out here tonight, uh, an update on some of the activism going on around here in our lovely very own New Hampshire. As you know, if you've been listening to the program, Mark and I both moved up here with our respective others a couple of years back as part of the Free State Project, the idea being to join as many liberty-loving activists as possible, all within the same geographical area, which was chosen, uh, New Hampshire was chosen to be that geographical area. So it's been an amazing success so far, the Free State Project, with a lot of interesting things going on both inside and outside of the system. Uh, but unfortunately, we do run into some some uh, roadblocks occasionally, some speed bumps, and one of the Free Staters has been arrested mm. recently. And this is not one of the uh, the free staters that is used to being arrested, not one of the ones that is uh, trying, I guess, to get, to get arrested. There are certain free staters that are here that are engaging in civil disobedience and non-cooperation. Getting arrested is you know, a hobby for them. Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, for example, has been going around from place to place, violating various different laws all in succession, trying to see how many laws he can break before the government people actually arrest him for breaking one of them. So far, I think he's had... I think he's broken four or five laws in a row, straight and in public, well, the, and they haven't done anything. What he's doing is he's picking the dumbest laws out there and breaking them. Well, no, I don't know about that. He's he's paid uh, he's paid somebody less than minimum wage, and some people consider that pretty serious. Yeah, a but he, serious he's law. not he's not a real business. So he's oh, essentially just giving money to a uh, you homeless mean he's not a corporation or something like uh, that. You know, he doesn't have a he doesn't have bricks and mortar. Um, you know, doesn't have a location like that. And uh, he, what what he paid them for was a security outside of a uh, an outlaw marionette show. You know, he was giving an illegal puppet show. Anyway, I was pointing out that there are people that do try to get arrested, but Bill. Uh, who is one of our callers, actually. We spoke with him recently about his nightmare of that he was trying to, uh, as he was trying to open up his restaurant, uh, the nightmare of dealing with the bureaucracy in this little town that he lives in, a town of 3,000 people. It's not much bigger than the town that you live in, Mark. I mean, maybe twice the size, but still not a very big place. Nope. Uh, it just it was amazing hearing him tell the story to us about all of the roadblocks that were being put up uh, for him because simply because he wouldn't give the, his social security number to the liquor commission. So it's not like he was trying to open up doors to a business, to his restaurant, without going and getting the liquor permit. He was bowing down and he was jumping, willing to jump through that hoop. He was just doing what we've been told all along that social security numbers are for, just for social security. Well, right, and he cited the Privacy Act, I believe, that essentially says, I think it's some sort of federal law that says that these state government people can't ask you for you. You don't have to give that number to them if they ask you for it, unless they have some sort of special federal government approval in order to do that. At least that's as I understood it. I don't have his email about the Privacy Act in front of me. He wrote a long letter to, I guess, the chief of police in, in the town that he lives. And so he has been arrested along with his wife, and we will give you the story here. We'll give you, give you it from the perspective of the union leader, which from what I have been told in the past, is supposedly a newspaper that's somewhat friendly toward the idea of liberty. But in this case, 
they really did a, a quite a smear job on our listener, Bill. Here's how they wrote it up. Routine stop leads to arrest of armed man in body armor. A man wearing body armor who had two fully loaded guns tucked into his waistband was arrested early this morning, said police. William Walker, 39, of Grafton, was driving a Mazda pickup truck when he was pulled over and uh, apparently for a defective exhaust, according to police captain Richard Valenti. Walker allegedly was wearing a bullet-resistant vest under his clothing and had the loaded guns along with numerous fully loaded magazines concealed in his waistband. Valenti said the police report doesn't indicate why Walker was so heavily armed and wearing the protective vest. Well, what the hell does it matter? He wasn't out shooting anybody. He wasn't out committing any crimes. Is there? Is it a crime to uh, go about your daily business with a vest on? Right. You know, the, the, the vest is certainly the way they write it. It makes it sound rather strange, but, I, you know... It I, is unusual, I think. I've, I, I, I've in the past thought, what a good idea to get, to, you know, a, a, a jacket that not only is, keeps you warm, but it's bulletproof, too. I don't see why that's that big of a deal. If he'd have just been wearing the bulletproof body armor, that would have not been an issue. It might have been a little strange, yeah. but not an issue. It's the guns that are an issue, so why are they making the vest an issue? Right, yeah, they couldn't charge him with anything over the vest. It's just that he was wearing it, and so it makes him look like, you know, a crazy or something like that, or a dangerous man. And Walker is charged with carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. Police also cited him for operating a motor vehicle after license suspension and misuse of plates. His passenger, Sharon Ancrum, 31, also of Grafton, was arrested for disorderly conduct. And we know that can be absolutely anything. That could be her getting upset about the fact they were arresting her husband. Likely. Yeah. She was also cited for operating a motor vehicle with a suspended registration as the owner of the pickup truck. So even though she wasn't actually operating the vehicle, she apparently was charged with operating it. That's as I understand it, because I think he was driving. But she was allowing him to drive a vehicle with a expired res- registration. I guess. Police said they also found a gun under Ankrum's seat. Ankrum, they said, has a license to carry a concealed weapon. Uh, she was in district court for blah, 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 blah. So both are free on bail. Trials are set for December 9th. Now, some people are saying, Mark, that, and we haven't talked to Bill yet. I haven't heard his comments on this story. I don't know if he's listening tonight and wants to call in and tell the story. Certainly would be interested to hear it from his perspective. But I've heard rumors that some people are saying this might go to the Supreme Court, that this could turn into the a... The New Hampshire Supreme Court. Yeah, that this could turn into a right to bear arms it, issue. It really is. And it a, should. It, it should because the fact is, you can carry an unconcealed weapon, um, open carry a weapon here in the state of New Hampshire. However, not when you're sitting in a car. When you sit into sit in a car, suddenly it's concealed because what? There's a big um, you know metal container around it. <laughs> I don't know. Wait a minute. If I step into my house, if I step into a building, is is the weapon concealed then? It wasn't concealed from Sharon Ankrum, who was sitting as his passenger. Mm-hmm. The weapon wouldn't be concealed from the people in the building if I was open carrying it. He was open carrying a weapon. That's all. It's legal here. But the fact that he was in a car, they're able to charge him with uh, carrying right. concealed. That's bullcrap. Which is apparently a misdemeanor, though I'd heard it was a violation. I don't know. Maybe it's one or the other, actually. I was told that the couch, my couch in the yard situation that I'm kind of in conflict, unfortunately, with the government over, that they want to conflict with me over, uh, the, the couch situation, I was told, could have been brought as a misdemeanor, but they were nice, and they chose to bring it as a violation, which it won't really matter in the long run, because if I don't pay their fines, they could throw me in a jail cell or put a lien on my house. So I guess it really wouldn't matter either way. 
1-800-259-9231. That is the number here. And this is yet another reason why uh, the New Hampshire Free State Project is so important, because it's not... This is how your rights get eroded, yeah. little by little, bit by bit. This... Yeah, you may not want to carry an open, um, you know, a, a, a weapon unconcealed. I don't particularly either. However, I can't, because rights have been eroded. I'm a convicted felon, and I can't carry a weapon. I can't even own a weapon. My wife can't own a weapon. I can't be in a room with a weapon that somebody else owns. All those are felonies. Why? Because we've got big government, and you know this is this is all as recently as the '60s that they uh, that they changed these things. Felons mm-hmm. could own weapons uh, prior to that. What's the big deal? And they didn't go shouldn't, around killing people, right? Shouldn't I be able to own a weapon and and protect my family? Yeah, you should. I mean, at least if the government wants to even pretend like it's adhering to its own set of rules, the Constitution, which makes it pretty darn clear that the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. And I'm pretty sure the New Hampshire Constitution is probably even better than the U.S. Constitution on uh, the right to bear arms issue. But clearly, the constitutions are no longer in in, in effect because they're effectively ignored by these government people. But the New Hampshire Free Free State Project... they're, they're, They're inconvenient for the government people. This is true. The free state, well, because they'd like to get money out of you. They'd like to get obedience, and they'd like to extract money from you, and that's what this is all about, of course. It's not about protecting anybody. But the Free State Project is so important because it brings people together to stand together when stuff like this happens. Bill, when he goes into court on December 9th, does not have to be alone. He doesn't have to be sitting there all by himself with his wife. He can have supporters behind him where good luck finding a group of supporters to back you up where you are. Of course, we'll let you know more about this case as we learn it. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including live streams. We've got a broadband version, a dial-up version, and a webcam version, all waiting for you for free. If you go to listen.freetalklive.com, that again is listen.freetalklive.com. And you can advance liberty at the local or national level through a summer internship in the Koch Summer Fellowship Program, or Summer Fellow Program, rather. The program places libertarian and free market students and recent graduates at organizations in Washington, D.C. and at state-based think tanks across the country. All positions are paid and include a housing and travel allowance, as well as multiple career workshops through the summer. Head over to libertarianinternships.com for more information on that, as well as some of the interesting broadcast and video game-related internships they have. Head over Who doesn't to, want to get paid to play video games? <laughs> I don't know if you get to play the video games, but uh, it certainly would be interesting nonetheless. LibertarianInternships.com As we continue here to give you some updates on what's going on here in New Hampshire as far as what's, uh, what's up with some of the activists here, a couple of them were recently arrested for driving, uh, going from point A to point B. One of the people in the car happened to have a couple of guns in his waistband and happened to be wearing some body armor and of course now he's being made out to look like some sort of madman because he wants to keep himself safe i mean you have to understand i i i can i can kind of understand where bill is coming from wanting to wear body armor around he he feels like he's being targeted 
I mean, he has been targeted for running his business and for not completely bowing down to the state government people. He didn't give them his social security number, so they began to make trouble for him. And, and they've got guns and they carry them on their hips. Right. He's, he's had nothing but trouble whatsoever come from these government people. They are armed. So why, isn't it, why is it inappropriate for him to be armed up? I mean, if you read some of the comments on this union leader article about the story, which the story itself was pretty darn slanted against Bill. But the comments are even worse. I mean, the comments, of course, uh, certainly there are some liberty-minded people posting there. But the other ones are just absolute state-worshipping mantra kind of comments like oh my god this man is up to no good good police work obviously this person was up to no good and had no reason for carrying such an array of weapons and a body resistant vest that's uh, i think bullet resistant not body resistant anyway it goes a little beyond personal protection or constitutional issues again good police work minor traffic violation may have prevented a major crime And then another man says, this is where infringed meets stupid. This guy was up to no good. No normal law-abiding citizen drives around wearing an effing bulletproof vest and has dozens of rounds of ammunition. I don't care what part of the Constitution you want to quote. There must be the ability to look outside the box and see this guy was looking to get into a serious battle. Well, why didn't he shoot the cop? Yeah, that's an excellent question. If he's a crazed madman who whom they they're, they're claiming. I mean, they're claiming that the, they stopped a major crime here. If he's a crazed madman, yeah. when the cop came up to the window, why didn't <laughs> he pop him right in the eye? Yep. That's all you would have had to do. I mean, <laughs> it wouldn't have been that hard. I mean, it it, it so, just goes to show what these namby pamby little hand ringers are. Yeah. They're idiots. Uh, so one eight hundred two. Somebody's committed a crime when they've hurt someone wearing body armor, or you know, a bulletproof vest or whatever it is. I'm sorry, not a crime. Right? Is it carrying a weapon openly? Not a crime. Not around here. Not in New Hampshire. Now, ca- apparently, carrying it in your car is. And that's a whole other story. Which is why I hope which that is we'll. Stupid. I hope that we'll hear that uh, Bill is going to take this perhaps all the way. I don't know. That's rumor that's going around. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but maybe it'll go to the Supreme Court. And who knows, maybe the government's laws against concealed carry will be overturned, and then we'll be more like Vermont, where anybody who's anybody can, well, maybe they've still got the the uh, criminal I believe that it's, uh, that's federal law that uh, Is con- it? convicts can't, uh, ex-convicts can't carry guns. Well, wherein everyone else who's not an ex-convict will be able to carry a weapon without having to ask the government's permission to do so. So this could turn out positive. And I've sent an email to Bill. I'm hoping he'll call in to tell us his side of the story. Perhaps this particular chief, this chief of police or the cop that had pulled him over, you know, this may be a small town. I don't know if it was in the town where, where he lives or where he's doing his business. I didn't, didn't dis, uh, wasn't able to discern that from the story. But if it was, then these are people he's already had dealings with. So they already know who he is. They know and that he's a business owner in town. They know that he open carries. Yeah. And they know he has to drive himself around in a car because that's what everybody has to do. Right. And they know that it's a stupid law that if you're open carrying and you open carry in your car, that it's considered concealed because you have a big metal box around you. And, and uh, as I recall from one of his emails, he, ha- he was sort of expecting something like this to go down. So there you have it. 
And this sort of behavior on the part of the government people isn't going to stop until they know that they can't get away with it anymore. And the point at which that happens, I don't know, but we do need more activists to get here sooner rather than later so we can all help stand up for people like Bill and Kat Canning and, and uh, some of the other uh, non-cooperative disobedience out there. Again, I don't know if Bill is going to be fully non-cooperative on this. He may actually decide to lawyer up. As I understand it, there's a particular one of the Free State Project members, Evan Knappen, is a, an attorney, and he's a real big gun rights guy. So it's possible that he might decide to get in, jump on board with this and, and take this all the way. We, also, we shall see. No, I, think we'll that if you know. I think that if you're going to – it's best to have a lawyer if you can get one. All right, 800-259-9231. Well, what about Kat Canning? Kat Canning is another activist up here in New Hampshire. She's the publisher of the New Hampshire Free Press, and she just got out of jail a little early, actually. She was sentenced to federal jail for uh, federal jail for 15 days, and they let her out a little early. And we've yet to actually hear from Kat as far as her thoughts on her experience in the uh, the government's prison system, because it was her first time there, people like Lauren Canario, some of the other activists around here, have been in multiple times. Uh, so it'll be interesting to hear what Kat has to say, and she has posted her article over at the New Hampshire Free Press, at newhampshirefreepress.com, and I'd like to share it with you. She writes that the October edition of the New Hampshire Free Press is late, since the feds decided to jail me for 15 days. September 19th, my friend and fellow activist Lauren Canario was told that she could return to the federal courthouse in Concord to finally retrieve the video camera the feds stole from her a year earlier. Repeated attempts to retrieve her property had only resulted in repeated games of runaround. For this trip, Lauren had assurances from Federal Marshal Gary DiMartino that she would indeed get her camera back this time. Oh, you'll get the camera, lady. When Lauren arrived at the courthouse, no one was at the security gate, so she just walked in, setting off the metal detector. For this, she was ticketed for disorderly conduct, and she was also arrested. Now, by the way, since she's been ticketed for disorderly conduct, I'd only heard that was a rumor at this point, but it sounds like it's the case now. That means this is all probably going to happen again. Yeah, I, I can't imagine she's going to show up for that either. They're going to they're going to schedule her a trial for the disorderly conduct charge. She's not going to show up most likely, and then they'll be they'll put a warrant out for her arrest. They'll bring her back. They'll drag her back into court. Here we go again. And they'll throw her back in. Anyway, she was arrested uh, after she was ticketed back in April 2007. Both Lauren and I were arrested while demonstrating inside the Keene IRS office. Another free stater, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, was imprisoned by the feds at that time. For handing out a leaflet in the Nashua IRS office. That's what sparked all of this, by the way. The fact that Dave Ridley did a silent protest. He walked into an IRS office and he handed out a couple of flyers to some of the, the employees there. He left one on the desk. We'll continue the story in moments. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. 
if you're trying to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers, innerknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. See their banner at freetalklive.com. You know, a friend of mine um, had ca- some cabinets in the house she moved in, and, and she repainted them. There's, I guess, a special cabinet paint they have at uh, at uh, Home Depot. That and a couple of and, – and a new set of knobs, and you've got a whole new set of cabinets. Toll free, 800-259-9231. We're telling the story of Kat, from Cat Canning's perspective – of her recent arrest, uh, detention, court trial, and what it was like being in jail for her for the very first time as a non-cooperative civil disobedience activist up here in New Hampshire. And she's telling sort of the backstory, and that is that all of this started because one man, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com, decided to go and, and hold a silent protest in the Nashua IRS office. He went in, he gave out a couple of flyers to the employees, left one on the front desk, and then silently left. And remember, he was calling the show at that time, Mark, telling us yeah. all about these things. They're completely peaceful, completely non-disruptive. Mm-hmm. In and one case, um, it, there was two. There were two flyers in question. One he put on a desk. Another one was taken from his hand by an IRS employee. Yeah. He didn't get in trouble from that one for that one because they accepted it. However, they got him for illegal handbills or some bullcrap yeah. for setting a flyer on someone's desk. And then they put him into prison for four days as a result of that, letting him out earlier than they had originally scheduled him to be let out. Well, while he was in jail, Lauren uh, Canario and Cat Canning, to the act in the southwest area of New Hampshire decided they were going to go and up the ante a little bit. They were going to go and do their own protest in a different IRS office to show support for Dave. And so if Dave had never been arrested, if they just let Dave alone, then Lauren and Kat never would have gone in and done the protest. But they did, and they were uh, arrested on the spot there because they were apparently standing silently, or I guess Kat was sitting silently with a sign. Lauren was standing silently wearing a V-mask in the IRS. Office. They weren't getting in anyone's way. They were just there. And so there, again, there really wasn't anyone to get in, in the way of. There was one right. uh, one person there, you know, dealing with the IRS thieves. Yeah. Um, other than that. So they arrested them, then they cited them for disorderly conduct and disobeying orders, which, of course, Kat, neither Kat nor Lauren went to the, uh, the, the court hearing on that, eventually meaning they were both arrested. We've told you in detail about what happened to Lauren, but here are the, here's Kat's story. After she was arrested attempting to attend Lauren's trial, Kat was then arraigned. When asked for her plea, she told them, I'm not guilty of working for an organization that tortures prisoners around the world. I'm not guilty of working for an organization that bombs innocent people. I'm not guilty of working for an organization that kicks down people's doors in the middle of the night, arresting or killing them over stupid things like drugs. I'm not guilty of hurting anyone. I'm not guilty, but a lot of the people in this room are. That's a real indictment. Yep, they set my trial for September 30th and ordered me held until trial. On the way to jail, as the handcuffs slipped off of me... No one seemed to notice. As soon as I arrived at Marib, so if she was a dangerous woman, she could have done something to those right. cops. This isn't about protecting society. This is, and it is really, honestly, not about protecting the government. This is about keeping up the show. This is trying to, uh, this is, you know, just trying to get people uh, that, that would stand up to the large invasive state that we have, you know, to, to put them down they and, want to and send a message and, and, and you know send them away. 
As soon as I arrived at the jail, a woman named Tucker started barking orders at me. When I didn't comply, she called in Corporal Saucier, and they threw me down to the cement floor. One of the federal marshals who transported me explained I was a nonviolent protester, and they stopped beating up on me. Later, Tucker went around chanting, I'm no man, but I've got big balls. Cat says, you couldn't begin to make this stuff up. They held me in the booking area for about 35 hours when I refused to comply with their booking procedures. They refused to give me a Bible in the booking area when I requested one. The corporal and Tucker waited until late in the evening when there were no witnesses in the booking area and then came to me with about five officers in all and a video camera and basically said they'd beat me if I didn't book in. So I did for the most part. I refused to sign their paperwork and wouldn't give them much information but otherwise did what they wanted. I was surprised to see on the 29th, or I was surprised that on the 29th I was called to a trial a day early. My suspicion was the day was changed to avoid more protests because when Makes Lauren sense. had her trial earlier, about a week prior, there was about 25 people that showed up and the feds did not know what to do about that. So they scheduled Cat's trial a day early without telling anybody, including her family. Ice testified. Nice. Yep. Ice testified honestly about what happened, with the exception of Commander that Commander Therian claimed there was a customer in the IRS office at the start of the demonstration, and neither Lauren nor I remember one being there. On cross-examination, I asked Commander Therian to think back 10, 20 years about countries we'd hear about where they'd tortured their prisoners. He failed to see the similarity between those third-world dictatorships and the one we currently live under. He said that he'd been in special forces in the military, trained to give and receive harsh interrogation, and that he'd been waterboarded. When asked if he considered waterboarding torture, he gave the evasive reply, Well, I didn't exactly like it at the time. I called Lauren to the witness stand, which caused the trial to be continued to the next day while they brought Lauren in from the Stratford County Jail. Sheer genius. I mean, essentially, she got her uh, trial on the day that it was supposed to happen right. instead of the early one. Um, I, I, I really like what I hear here as far as her brilliant. indicting the uh, the bureaucrats by saying, I'm not guilty of torture around the world. You know, mm-hmm. It's 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 great. I was able to warn people about the new trial date and time, so 31 people showed up to protest our imprisonment and to attend the second half of the trial. So that was on short notice. The changes to the trial, it was amazing to see a couple dozen people show up on such short notice, and it really well, goes to show it was just how, a time change essentially, right? Correct, but they didn't uh, they were not aware of it until less than 18 hours before the actual trial. So to have those sorts of numbers still turn out, even on short notice, I think is tremendous. And it really goes to show how this movement here is really burgeoning, it's really growing, and it's making a difference. Uh, So we continue here, and she says that she was able to warn people, so a bunch of people showed up. I asked Lauren how long our protests outside the IRS usually lasted, and she said they were anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. When asked how long we would have likely stayed in the IRS office if we hadn't been arrested, she thought it would have been maybe about an hour. I then asked how many officers were involved in our arrest, and Lauren said there were five. She testified that they occupied the middle of the room while Lauren and I were on the edges, out of the way. When asked which caused the greater disturbance, five officers in the middle of the room, and this is a fairly small room, going in and out, making phone calls, or two women standing and sitting silently. She said the officers caused the greater disturbance. I also asked her about her military experience and whether she was familiar with the Geneva Conventions. She was only somewhat familiar with the conventions, but stated that she believed torturing prisoners violated those conventions. Not long before Lauren's arrest on September 19th, Dave Ridley released a Ridleyo internet news video on RidleyReport.com. 
saying that the federales had apparently been backed down by Lauren and I. Dave worried the video would prompt an arrest, but we told him to go ahead with that report. That, combined with the prosecutor in Lauren's trial stating that he wished to punish the whole New Hampshire underground, made me think that the arrests at that time were more politically motivated than being based on any actual harm caused. I asked to question Federal Marshal Gary DiMartino on the stand, but Judge Muirhead wouldn't allow me to call him. What kind of a trial is that when you call a witness and the judge snaps back and says, well, why do you want to call that guy? And then whatever your explanation is just isn't satisfactory. Sorry, you can't call that particular witness. Sure, it's your trial, but we're going to restrict who you can call on the stand who you can't. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's not, that's not how I imagine trials being. In closing, I said Lauren and I would have been out of the office in less time and with far less disturbance if we'd been allowed to continue our demonstration. I explained how the officers themselves caused the greatest disturbance and also said that any disturbance we might have caused was overshadowed by the need to resist the grave crimes the governments had committed in places like Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. The judge sentenced me to 15 days as well. After the trial, I got to talk to Lauren for a while, and we'll tell you a little bit more about her experience uh, coming up here in the actual prison. And take your calls as well at 1-800-259-9231. This is your show. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying. You can even be buying used items. Did you know Amazon has used items? I, I didn't for I a did. long time. Uh, they do, and you can get those and anything else. Whatever you buy, Free Talk Live gets a cut. If you start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free. Go to WebEx.com, enter promo code 600, and start your free trial of WebEx. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com. Enter promo code 600, start your free trial of WebEx today. As we continue here, we'll get to your phone calls in just a moment. A few more thoughts from Kat Canning at the New Hampshire Free Press. Her experience in dealing with the federal government as they imprisoned her for about two weeks of her life because she decided that she wasn't going to um, bow down to them. They wanted her to pay her money because pay them money because she went into an IRS office and sat sat silently uh, sat silently with a sign. They wanted her to give give them like 125 bucks, and I think they doubled it to 200 something. After that, and they got very upset. They threw her in a in a cage because of it. And so she's telling us about her experiences generally in the courtroom and uh, sort of what led up to going into the cage. And later on, if we have time, we'll tell you about what the cage was actually like. But after her trial, where they sentenced her to 15 days, she says she got to talk to her friend Lauren, who was also in jail at the time for a while, for the same thing, by the way, in case you're just tuning in. She had also been held in isolation since the 19th. This was for her refusal to cooperate in her own imprisonment. They were refusing to give her any of the mail that had been sent to her. Eventually, she was given one of her husband's letters, but the others were never given to her, even upon her release. She was then held an extra two days for her non-cooperation and wasn't released until October 6th. 
As I was leaving the federal courthouse, I saw my friends protesting on the street corner. Two of them with video cameras came up to the van I was in, which upset the county sheriff greatly. He jumped out of the van, and which was stopped at a traffic light, and yelled at them to get away from the van. Apparently, he thought they were trying to release me with their cameras. The issues of this whole series of event, uh, the issues this whole series of events brought up, from Dave Ridley's arrest to the imprisonment of Lauren and I, were numerous. Do we have the right to peaceably seek redress of grievances, as it says in the Constitution? That was the point of going into the IRS offices with uh, flyers and with signs. That was well, the point of their protest. You know, you have the right uh, to do it as long as you do it the way they say, according right. to their laws. And right, stand out there on that sidewalk, way over there, and right. you can protest all you want. Where you don't uh, make the least bit of difference. She, she asks, is it right for the government to steal people's money through taxation and use it for war and torture? I say no to these questions, and I'm glad that there are people like Lauren Canario and Dave Ridley who are willing to stand up to resist these abuses. Lauren's husband, Jim Johnson, asks, one man drives the train, another loads the car, and another man unloads the train, and another man locks a door. Another man stands by a valve, which leads to another man who fills a tank. And another man is ordered by another man to order the other man to open a valve. And another man carries bodies to a grave that another man has dug, and no man can be blamed. So where is Mike Therrien, who is the head of the ICE department up here in the Northeast or in New Hampshire? He's the man who collects gypsies who ride the train. But Mike is different from the other men. Mike gets to choose who he collects. He's sworn an oath to a set of words that he does not understand and depends on politicians to tell him what to do. He is obedient to the state. Mike could choose to not arrest gypsies, but he has no moral code of his own. He serves the state, leaving politicians to bear the burden of his morality. And in what place could morality be better lost? 800-259-9231. We saw this. Uh, you were there for Lauren's trial, so you saw yeah. this on display where Lauren Canario called up these ice guys. Or I guess it was cross. I guess she cross-examined them. Anyway, she cross-examined these ice guys while she was up there, and she basically got these guys to admit that yes, they did swear an oath to the Constitution, but they couldn't tell you what the First Amendment said. No. So what does an oath mean if you don't even know what the document says that you've sworn an oath to? It means a hill of beans, if you ask me. Would love your thoughts. At one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one, and then the uh, the judge, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, he he quoted the, not, didn't quote the First Amendment, but said you had the First Amendment right to protest. But the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. This was a federal court. The only laws they enforce are the ones Congress made. Mm. Congress shall make no one no law, and you know, abridging your right to peaceably assemble. Let's go to your phone calls, Tim, in the UK across the pond. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Tim. Hi. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? I was wondering, I've been looking for you USA radio stations, and uh, yours seems more honest than most. I, you're probably right about that. Uh, most U.S. talk radio is either lefty liberal stuff or ultra-right conservative you stuff. You have honest radio over there in uh, England? <laughs> they don't have much no, talk radio there. Really. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what they've got is the BBC, and there's really not much else in the realm of talk, right? Right. Well, I'm working for a group called Anonymous, okay. and uh, we wear V-masks. 
Excellent. When we protest the Scientology movement. Oh, yeah, you know, I heard about that. I, I remember seeing the original videos that were posted up on YouTube over the, I think it was over the summer, announcing the coming anonymous protests to Scientology. What, uh, do you want to give us a summary as to why you're doing this? <clears throat> well, Scientology isn't really a religion at all. It's a mad cult that um, hide and lie about the fact that they're really a space cooties cult and they con thousands upon thousands of dollars out of all their adherents until they've got them so sold and brainwashed that they'll sign up for the Sea Org on a billion-year contract. It's an amazing, uh, it really is a brainwashing cult. All of the evidence is there to support that. And the, I think one of the reasons why you have to be anonymous when you're protesting these people is because they're very litigious. If you were to stand up and be known in your protests against Scientology, there's a good chance they would sick their lawyers on you to try to get you, you know, to try to scare you into submission. Isn't that the case? That's very much the case. We all had our websites behind who is protection and stuff to keep their secret Gestapo police away from our homes. So what are some of the protests you guys are doing? I mean, what, can you describe one of them that you've participated in? What, what was it like? Well, we, uh, we meet up somewhere near an org. A what? And we put V-masks on as close to the org as possible because obviously the police don't like people walking around in V-masks in groups of a hundred. Right. Yeah, that probably and, disturbs uh, them a little. <laughs> <coughs> and we basically uh, inform the public to such a point now we think we've pretty much destroyed their credibility in the public eye. I, I missed one point. You said you you gather near an org. Is that one of the... Is that a, is that a... They have their designated buildings they like to call churches. I see. But uh, we've got evidence and documents that they actually made it into a church as part of a, a con trick. A what? A con, a confidence trick. You see, uh, that business of auditing and writing people's innermost secrets down and stuff, you know, it's uh, like psychotherapy. And obviously it's fatally flawed psychotherapy that would never get a license. So they made themselves into a church. Right, right. So, so what you're saying is that these folks have this bizarro brainwashing uh, technique that they use well, they, uh, and in uh, order to subvert... To, uh, hmm? hold the cans, as they call it, which is like an electrical connection to their e-meter. Right, this is a, a hokey machine that they that they ask you to go and step up and, and put put your hands well, on and then it reads some bunkum readout. Right, it reads a bunkum call. readout and then they say, well, you've got this, you know, you've got all these problems, these thetans or whatever they're well, called they and that you have like to... Lie detector. You have to pay them in order to uh, in order to release the thetans from you. Or so, that's essentially what's going on. It's a bunch of oh, crack yeah, pottery nonsense. Oh, yeah, You see, the e-meter delivers an electrical charge during audit. Oh, so it shocks people? endorphin boost. A bit like taking ease. Interesting. Hmm. I uh, wish we had more time to discuss it. I thank you for the call tonight, uh, and I appreciate hearing from you. More pe- If people want to go and look into that, I'm sure if they Google anonymous Scientology protest, they'll probably find out more about it, perhaps how they can get involved if they think it's that important.
I don't know if it really is. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that out there. That was what I was going to ask if you hadn't uh, shoot him away. Was, yeah, uh, just sort of kind of hard to understand. Well, yeah, Love. understood. Why, um, you know, why this particular religion? Eh, I'd say Scientology probably bilks more people, uh, you know, bilks its uh, adherents out of more money, more money. than, yeah, than the average, um, you know, denomination of Christianity does. But... You know, they've all got hokey beliefs. Yeah, and, and some of them can be very, very dangerous. I think organized religion in general is something that should be uh, should not be participated in. I don't know if I would bother protesting it because it is ultimately a voluntary choice to go and join Scientology, whereas paying taxes, on the other hand, not so much. Hour two's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with the very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark? You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And we want to invite you, by the way, to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Uh, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum is where you want to go to get signed up. At the early bird price, it's available now, and I think they'll probably keep this price until they announce one of the first uh, – usually they they change the price after they announce one of the first big keynote speakers. So none of the biggest speakers have been announced quite yet, so get in while you still can because it's going to be good. I've heard some rumors about who these keynotes might be. Probably going to be pretty exciting. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Use this discount code, 2009FTL. It's all one word, 2009FTL. And get a 10% discount off the already low $199 early bird pricing. Of course, that doesn't include your travel expenses or hotel or anything like that. It's just for the conference. And it's a really great opportunity to network with not only liberty-oriented luminaries like John Taylor Gatto, Angela Keaton, Mark Stevens, Will Buchanan, Anthony Gregory, and uh, Adam Kokesh and more, but also hundreds of liberty-oriented people are going to be in attendance, many of them already living here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, many of them considering moving to New Hampshire. It's one of the, I think, best liberty networking opportunities all year long. It's one of the biggest conventions focusing on liberty that you'll probably ever attend, and if you like liberty, you should come out. And join us, because we're going to be broadcasting live the entire thing. It's a lot of fun. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We, last hour, we were actually updating you on some of the, uh, I guess, legal cases, for lack of a better term, than, uh, of some of the, the free staters that have moved up here and unfortunately have been targeted by various elements of the government. Uh, we've seen the federal government targeting people for things like handing out flyers. And just recently, another man uh, was targeted because he was, I guess, he had a gun in his belt while he was driving. 
So nobody is in doing, a state where open carry is legal. Right. These are not uh, any. This is nothing that threatens anyone. It's nothing dangerous or anything like that. It's just that uh, certain entities don't like the idea that their power is being threatened. They don't like the idea that these folks are coming here and they're not bowing down completely to their so-called authority. And what we really need to solve this problem is more non-cooperation, in my opinion. I know, uh, Mark, you'll point out that there's a lot of good political activism going on. So if you're not ready to take the steps into the world of non-cooperation, Operation or civil disobedience, there's a lot that you can do here. In fact, there's far more, I would say, in the realm of the political than there is in the realm of uh, civil disobedience. Heck of a lot more happening here in, uh, you know, as far as politics. Uh, well, liberty, period, yeah. Yeah, liberty and politics than any other place. So get here and get active and get, you know, with whatever it is you feel comfortable uh, because obviously not everybody wants to end up inside a prison cell, but Kat Canning from the New Hampshire Free Press recently was there for her very first time. Uh, she is a civilly disobedient activist, a non-cooperative, and she was arrested for failure to obey, which basically means she was in an IRS office, silently sitting in a chair, holding a sign that said, Taxes support torture. When she was ordered to leave, she didn't, because she wasn't bothering anybody. And then they threw her in jail for it, for almost two weeks. So here's her experience. Being stuck in jail for two weeks, this according from the uh, according to the New Hampshire Free Press, I thought I might as well report on prison conditions inside New Hampshire, or in a New Hampshire jail from the inside. Merrimack County jail officials ignored my request for an interview, so I mostly have information from other prisoners. Approximately 80% of the people imprisoned in Merrimack County Jail are there because of drug problems. And she says, I am including alcohol in this. Official reasons for arrest are varied from driving under the influence to theft to violence, but all of them stem from the drug problem. The jail offers AA meetings and drug counseling, but recidivism rates remain extremely high. I spoke with one young woman who was 18. She referred to herself as a junkie. Her story and demeanor made it clear that she would do almost anything to get her drugs. I asked her what her life would be like if drugs were legal and that she could, if she could go to the local pharmacy and pick up her drugs. The idea appeared surprising to her. But on reflection, she said she wouldn't have to be sneaking around doing illegal acts to get her fix. In countries where drugs have been decriminalized and drug addiction treated as a health problem rather than a crime, the crime rate has dropped significantly. According to the group Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, their website, leap.cc, by the way, that's leap.cc, uh, Leap says there's a strong argument that prohibition has caused or created many of the problems associated with the use or misuse of drugs. One option for the future would be to regulate drugs differently through either over-the-counter sales, licensed sales, or doctor's prescription. I talked, says Kat, to various women imprisoned at Merrimack County Jail about violence against the prisoners in the jail. From what they said and from what I saw, physical violence done by guards, such as when the guards threw me to the cement, was not, com- uh, was not common. Rape by guards in the jail was also not common, according to the women, but in Manchester's Valley Street Jail, it happened quite a bit. I was surprised on being released to have an email from a group wishing to expose the prisoner abuse in Valley Street Jail. The group's website is valleystreetjail.com, and here are some of the abuses discussed on the site. Denied access to medical and dental treatment. Now, Mark, you spent nine years in a Florida prison. Maybe you can... uh, This is a jail we're talking about, so there is a difference between prison and jail. Jails are usually for less than a year long sentences, while prisons are for more than a year. Is that right? Generally. So that's not true in every state and every case, certainly. So, I mean, if you have any comparisons you want to make to some of these observations about the Valley Street Jail, would love to hear it. Well, you know, I think that uh, it, it, it's an issue of degrees. I mean, oh, did I ever see inmates denied medical treatment? 
Sure I did. But, you know, sometimes I agreed with the guard. I thought that guy was faking or whatever. You know, um, sometimes the, the guard would tell him to shut up, go back in your room or whatever. And certainly they'd, they'd get an opportunity within the next 24 hours to go. Sometimes people die when they don't get medical treatment within uh, within 24 hours, though. So you know, I mean, it's it, it it it's a it's an issue of degrees. Requests to see the nurse, doctors, and dentists are almost always denied. No accessible grievance system in place. Medical treatment in the jail is a privilege and not a right. On one occasion, a female well, inmate certainly not uh, the case in in the uh, Florida prison system. On one occasion, when a female inmate slipped and fell in the shower, broke her wrist, and was given ice and was told to calm down. Oh, God. To this day, she still has not been treated. This is a normal occurrence at the H. Let's see, they're saying the HCDOC, I guess Hillsborough County Department of Corrections. If you complain about injuries, pain, etc., most of the time you're punished in one way or another, like being locked down, loss of privileges, or being put into administrative segregation. Denied access to all medications. All inmates who are previously taking life-sustaining medications are almost always denied access to their much-needed medications, especially psychiatric drugs for bipolar, depression, and schizophrenic disorders. And this most, is horrifying. Yeah, and most other physical diagnoses, such as thyroid diseases, AIDS, and many more. This crap should not be going on in, Amer- in, in America. If you're lucky enough to see medical, you might get Tylenol at best. Denial of grievance forms and or appeals. This facility thinks the written grievance and appeal system is a privilege and not a right. Therefore, grievance forms are very hard to obtain and many times are never even submitted, lost or ripped up right in front of the inmate. Again, a violation of federal law and the inmate's due process rights as this is the only avenue the inmates have to the court system. With the Inmate Reform Act of 1995, this makes civil rights violations very hard to litigate and prove, leaving the inmate helpless and at the total mercy of the guards. Torture. Uh, Doris Sanbria is a former correctional officer that reported the abuse and torture of a female inmate. This case is still pending. Doris Sanbria versus Hillsborough County Department of Corrections. How long this will uh, will this uh, be allowed to go on? Well, this is not an isolated case, as there have been many others. Just this week, this was written in September of 2008. They tied a female inmate up to the restraint chair naked, otherwise known as the devil's chair. This woman thinks she's on fire, so she removes her clothing on a regular basis. After her arms and legs were restrained, the guards proceeded to mace her in front of the other inmates until she agreed to stop screaming. If this isn't torture, I'm not sure what is. And it's so normal now that they don't even try to hide it, as they did this in front of the other female inmates. This violates federal and state laws as well as international treaties. Right, what's the point in macing somebody who's tied up to a chair? Really, what's the point in it? punishment. That, that's all it is. Uh, it doesn't, you know, the uh, macing makes sense if somebody's violent or dangerous. But what's the point in making some noise? How, they, by the way, they would do this at the prison I was at too. They torture uh, people. Well, it, they would mace them for no real good reason. I mean, sometimes an inmate would be going, uh, making noise in their confinement cell in, in K dorm, and uh, kicking on the door and screaming and hollering and all that stuff. Now, one might be able to make the argument if they're in the room with another inmate. That um, in, in oftentimes they were that you know macing was appropriate. Although you'd have to mace the other inmate to get this guy out. But when they're by themselves in a room, what's the point in doing that? They're locked in. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you've got an experience you'd like to share from maybe your time in a jail cell, we'd love to hear from you. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SICL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free. Enjoy those on us. And those features, by the way, include the bulletin board system. We've got over 400,000 posts. It's an awful lot to talk about. So head over and get interactive for free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. John Plaster talks about snipers, sniper history, and sniper training. Mark Hatmaker tells all about grappling, martial arts, and his grueling workouts at paladinpodcast.com. Paladinpodcast.com is a service of Paladin Press. You can browse over 900 books and DVDs on topics such as personal and financial freedom, Second Amendment issues, military history, self-defense, and more. Remember, it's paladinpodcast.com. As we continue here, we're going to uh, take a break of this uh, from this awful story about what exactly things are like in some of the New Hampshire jails, or at least uh, one particular, a couple of particular jails, uh, from our friend Cat Canning at the New Hampshire Free Press to break down to take your calls. Uh, have you been in jail? What was your experience like? Can you relate to what Cat is telling us about here? Let's go to Clinton in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Clinton. Clinton, you got to turn down your speakers, turn down whatever it is you're listening to out there. So you know that you're actually you need to if you're on hold you need to listen on hold not to whatever it is you are normally listening to. Are you there, sir? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I couldn't hear that Paladin press, so I turned it up because there's usually uh, a lag time. What was that domain name? Is paladinpodcast.com. What's the second word after Paladin, please? Podcast p o d c a s t. Oh, podcast. Correct. All right, thank you. So, what's on your mind tonight, Clinton? What's that? What's on your mind? Why are you calling tonight? Am I speaking? You're on, you the, radio, on the air, sir. Clinton. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't hear you answer. Okay. Go ahead. Well, what I, I spent uh, all of the 1970s, except for, well, 14 months in prison system in Wisconsin. Mm. Wow. What Two for? different prisons. And uh, I didn't live in no room. <laughs> I lived in a cell. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I heard somebody said that they lived in a room, immediately that tells me they were in medium or minimum security. I was at a level three. It was uh, considered the lowest of maximum. <laughs> yeah, well, I was in prison. And uh, I, uh, I went through the Guantanamo Bay thing. I, I've been subjected to all kinds of torture. My whole life is uh, significantly impacted by the experiences I was put through. I bet. With, uh, you see all that stuff that they show on the prison shows on the TV? Mm-hmm. I seen all of it. I went through all of it, and I survived all of it. Where do you want to start? Well, what were you originally put in for, allegedly? Well, the short story is that uh, I had a brutal upbringing, and I started using drugs and selling drugs at 15. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a drug lifestyle and crime to support that. And I uh, went and burglarized somebody who had stole a pound of pot from us. Hmm. And I got caught doing the burglary. And I had uh, an ounce of hashish in my back pocket. Jeez. So the first time I went to, to a reformatory for, for those crimes. And then you got out and you went back in? Uh, well, I, I got out and I started using heroin. Oh, boy. And uh, I committed a crime with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very psychologically interesting how this occurred and how crime actually occurs in the human behavior model because uh, the, the crime that I did 
was somewhat in retribution of something, again, that somebody did to me in the past, like mm -hmm. I inferred what happened when our pot was stolen. But uh, that was an armed robbery for the second occurrence. And uh, I think it's interesting, before, I mean, before we get back into your jail experience, your prison experience, I think it's interesting that if it weren't for the war on drugs, if drugs had been legal, if they'd stayed legal throughout all of uh, history, you probably would never have gotten into these situations. Because all of the crimes that you're talking about, while they were, uh, while they were violent in nature... Uh, or, you know, certainly involving theft, uh, they were only being done because of the war on drugs, because if it weren't for the war on drugs, no one would have ever had to have stolen a pound of pot from you, because CVS doesn't really have a problem with people ripping off their aspirin shipments, for instance. So all of these things could, all of your entire, you know, this awful experience that you've had could have been completely avoided had we not had this insane war on drugs. And yours is just yet another example of the endless strings of tragic circumstances and tragedies that we've seen uh, springing from this terrible war on our friends and family members, which is all the, the war on drugs really is. It's just so sad, and I'm sorry that you had to go through all of that. Uh, what are some of the things you wanted to, I mean, if you had to think back on the decade or so that you were in prison, what are some of the things you'd want our listeners to know about? Well, first, I'd agree with what you just said, but primarily there's something fundamental that even precedes that, which is the reason people even use substances like alcohol, pot, pills, heroin, or what have you. Lies, deception, power, you know what I mean? It's all about human behavior. So if I could say anything to people, I would say, you know, that uh, education has a lot to do with, with uh, most and all of what we do. But there's some uh, really serious sociological factors that are occurring here, you know, that contribute to the reasons why uh, a justice system has been created as an industry. Mm, the, yeah. the prey and create product and revenue, a slavery system. That's really what it is. I mean, it is a, a system designed to funnel as many people through the system as possible. We've seen some stunning numbers that show that America, the so-called land of the free, has more people incarcerated, more people incarcerated than China or than any other uh, Western uh, country. I mean, it's just absolutely outrageous, but yet nobody seems to be outraged by it. Uh, some states uh, don't really don't use the convicts as much for slave labor as they just uh, they just warehouse them and make all kinds of money off the federal government and um, the taxpayers by you know saying, well, we have to warehouse these people. Right. The more so convicts, it's a, it's a the warehousing more money. industry. Yeah. The more. I have a question, please. Yes, sir. Uh, what's the fellow's name that uh, was in prison that you're speaking with? My name's Mark. Mark? Yeah. Did you, uh, were there any riots when you were uh, incarcerated? I was in a youthful fender prison, so there were riots on a regular basis for a while. There fights. But I mean like riots, wholesale no, no. breakdown of the institution. Well, you know, what they called riots at the institution where they would bring in the guards with the, uh, you know, the, the sticks and the uh, big clear shields happened probably more than a dozen times. But, Over nine years? You know, it's, maybe at, okay, the, I get it. Maybe that, at the most kinda... an officer got pushed over or something, you know. I mean, not yeah. we're not talking about inmate-on-officer riots. We're talking about inmates uh, fighting, uh, you know, cliques fighting with each other over who got to watch the Sunday morning cartoons. Oh, jeez. Well, I'm talking about what I've experienced, I went through two of them, uh, total lockdowns where uh, the, the total control of the institution was lost, 
and or uh, beatings, stabbings, rapes. That, I'm talking a riot, riot, not the crap that they show on a cartoon TV, because they, they're showing these prison programs on the cable stations these days. I'm sure you fellas have Oz. seen some of that. Yeah, I've seen Oz. But they're not really showing some of the instances of the riots that really occur. Well, the reason I asked this question is I wanted to, I wondered what your observations were regarding race and what you observed during a riot. Thank you, Clinton. We'll have Mark what I observed is that... Uh, we don't have time to get to that, but we'll get to your answer, and I thank you for the call. Um, observations in regards to race from prison. You'll share those with us here in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki, over 1,800 pages, created by listeners like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive for free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I, dot freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections. They do early out billing. And they purchase charged-off receivables. Sacles, excuse me, Sacles employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. Sacles CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. 1-800-259-9231. Just got off the phone with Clinton, who spent about a decade of his life in prison back in the 70s. And he was asking you, Mark, as another man who spent uh, nearly a decade of your life in uh, behind bars or in a cage, as to what your experience was like uh, with race, as far as uh, in the, you know in the midst of riots, and I, what I'm sort of I, I think he was getting at there was the idea that we've seen in you know the big government, the the rest of the government outside of just the prison system, but ju- government in general, that what it likes to do is pit interest groups against one another. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you had a similar experience when you were in prison, in that it there were these different cliques which are probably divided on on race lines, and, and, and they, they indiv- pitted against one another, and right? individually uh, divided because the prison I was at was uh, it was four blacks to one white, and uh, some of those whites were Cubans, mm-hmm. so. So, um, if I mean, dividing along racial lines uh, for whites and Cubans certainly made some sense, but the blacks would then divide uh, into sub-areas of uh, geographical, um, you know, geographically. I met maybe one or two people that I ever knew um, on, you know, in, in the free world in prison. And, you know, I didn't know them very well and didn't care very much for them. Mm-hmm. However, uh, some of these guys, you know, they're in, in, in some of the uh, poorer income areas, they're sweeping up whole blocks. I mean, these guys, a lot of them knew each other, so it makes sense that they would, uh, you know, hang out together. But it, it would have been a really bad idea for any of the uh, other racial groups to decide I'm going to fight the black people in the prison I was in because – it was four to one, five to one sometimes, six to one sometimes. It wouldn't have made any sense at all. So that generally didn't happen. Um, you know, there was some kind of uh, – they, they divided into groups. There was Some people had more enmity Im- against uh, other groups than others. I, you know, hung out mostly with, with white guys and um, that kind of thing. But, however, I had some black roommates. And I got to pick my roommates because of, 
you know, my job and, and, and that kind of thing, I, I managed to, uh, you know, move up in sort of the, the ranking system there. And I, I was able to pick my roommates and sometimes I pick black guys because the guy, you know, the guy we're talking about individually was a really good guy. I mean, yeah. there was no, I, I tried not to make those distinctions. I did make those distinctions. Um, but you know, I'm better at making, you know, those distinctions now. My best friend in the world's black, so it's good. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That uh, as we continue here, Muslim the Muslim anarchist is on the line in California. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, hey, what's up, guys? I wanted to give you an update about my traffic citation. Can you give us a recap, so, real quick? Yeah, I got a speeding ticket in a county that's like a two-hour drive away from me. And then when I tried to pay the ticket, they wouldn't let me. And then when I tried to find out about the court date, they said they didn't have a traffic court and that I should just call in every two weeks and wait for the officer to file the citation, and he has about a year to do it. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so uh, after, he, after sort of very utter incompetence, I felt a little more comfortable writing in a letter where I pretty much said, like, I explained my experience so far, and I wasn't really being confrontational. I was kind of playing stupid. Mm-hmm. And I, I basically asked, like, if I don't have this money and I can't appear in court, what am I supposed to do, right? Good question. And so I, uh, I got a response, and what it says is that I can file a uh, trial by declaration, which means that I write my defense out on these forms that they've sent me, and um, they will make a decision without me and send me their response by mail, hmm. right? Okay. Um, it so doesn't sound like is, it would go very good for you. However, showing up doesn't seem to really matter no, either way. No, it's really so. just a show trial anyway. Either way you cut well, anyway you cut uh, it. it, it better actually i mean keep in mind my intention is not to beat the ticket my intention is to waste their time right so it says first off it tells me that i have to pay the bail before i can contest the ticket which strikes me as absurd right um because that basically means like i have to be punished before i can be tried yeah well that way you you, they've already got your money so it's all pretty much uh, over with this is the fun part though down here uh, in the legalese where you sign your trial by declaration Mm -hmm. says uh, I know, uh, let me see, where does it say this? By filing a declaration in the trial by declaration, you are waiving and giving up the rights to remain silent and not incriminate yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, I understand and agree that by making any statement, I am giving up and waiving that right and privilege. So, basically, if I respond, I no longer have the right to remain silent. That's what it sounds like, yeah. So this is the part that's really interesting if you want to go the legalese route. And that is that they say twice, they say giving up and waiving, and then they say right and privilege. These are different things. This is true. A right and a privilege Mm. is different. Giving up and waiving is apparently different. So which is it? Am I giving up or am I waiving my right or or my privilege? (laughs) No, wait. What is the exact phraseology again? Uh, By filing a declaration in a trial by written declaration, you are waiving and giving up the right to remain silent and not incriminate yourself. So you're waiving the right to remain silent and you're giving up your privilege to not incriminate yourself? Is that I guess so. the way it's written? I guess, but, but isn't the Fifth Amendment, doesn't the Fifth Amendment essentially uh, enshrine the right to not, to, the right against self-incrimination? Well, you, you, I, I suppose you could write uh, on the declaration, um, all rights reserved. I didn't do this, or something. You know, you could write something very brief, and then reserve the right to be silent beyond that, or whatever. Hmm. I wonder what would so, happen if you wrote all rights reserved down there before you signed your name. Well, I was gonna, I was just gonna cross it off when I sign it and see what they do with that. 
if you're uh, willing so, to take that know, risk, I mean, they're I gonna, don't know. well, they're going to take my money either way. If yeah. I if I uh, if I contest the ticket, they take my money. If I don't contest the ticket, they take my money. So I figure there's no harm in contesting the ticket and playing with the form. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, take it either way. Yeah, if you're right? gonna if you're gonna cut them a check, uh, you might as well play with them a little bit. So here's uh, you guys mentioned uh, the legal definition of terrorism. Yeah, and so I went ahead and I looked it up. And this is actually defined in the U.S. Code of Federal Regulations, and it says uh, the use of force or violence against persons or property to intimidate or coerce a government or a civilian population or any segment thereof in the furtherance of a political or social objective. So I'm going to include a check for this, cross out the parts I don't like, and basically write them a letter that says that they are using or threatening the use of force or violence against me to further their social objective. This is true. And so if they're willing to admit that this fulfills their definition of terrorism, I'm willing to pay their bail. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great idea. And you're absolutely right. I mean, what governments do is terrorism. I and mean, that's what that's how they rule. They rule by terror. They, they absolutely do. Um, I, I was uh, posting something on a BBS recently um, just for fun it was kind of meant to uh, to screw with uh, some bureaucrats out there and my wife happened to be in the room and look and she's like don't do that like why yeah well, you, you don't you, you don't need them uh, paying attention to you she's scared she's scared sure they have yeah. terrorized her that's right. the way my parents have responded also when i talk to them about the citation they're just like waiting for me to pay it because they're terrified right mm-hmm. so i in any way a, a long story short i feel like i'm succeeding because this form was obviously filled out by a real person with a real pen so right. i'm obviously wasting somebody's time <laughs> congratulations pal well, if they're, yeah so if they're gonna waste your time and force you to spend all this money uh, you might as well waste some of their time back it makes sense i think it's been an interesting case so far and i wish you good luck will you let us know what happens I will. Thanks, Muslim non-archist. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We need people like him here in New Hampshire so he doesn't have to do, go about this alone. So you can have other people that you could consult with. You can you know, po- post your – I mean, you can do this anyway because it's the Internet, but better when they're actually close by and you can actually go and meet up with them and they can actually come to whatever trial you might be having or whatever they're calling a trial. And for many of them, this is just their kind of hobby. 1-800-259-9231 is the number. You can bring up anything. We'll go back to the realm of the prison cell, and we'll tell you a little bit more about what it's like to be in jail up here in a few of the jails here in New Hampshire. And take your calls as well about whatever you want. You can dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. You like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board with the program. It stands, uh, stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in 3 bucks a month. We take that in reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations across the country, and expand and bring the message of freedom and liberty to as many ears as possible. We're also doing outreach on the Internet to bring more Internet listeners on board. So if you like the idea of helping other people find this show, the AMP program is the way that, uh, the best way to go about doing that. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up today. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
Com. So we go back to the story from the New Hampshire Free Press about what exactly it's like for somebody who's in the New Hampshire jail system, or at least a couple of the jails. I suppose there's a possibility that certain jails are operated differently, I mean, different superintendents and all that. I'd call that a, 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 a extreme likelihood. Well, they're talking about one jail in particular. Now, Kat was in a different jail uh, she she did say that in her jail, the Merrimack County Jail, about 80% of the people imprisoned there were there because of drug problems. She did encounter some violence at the hands of some of the prison guards. So inevitably, some of this stuff probably is spread around. But uh, the what we're reporting on here at this segment of the article is from the Valley Street Jail, which is in Manchester. And some of the... Some of the things that are going on there are just absolutely outrageous. Uh, Mark, as we talked earlier, valleystreetjail.com outlines a number of the issues. People are being denied, consistently being denied access to medical and dental treatment, access to all medications. They are being denied grievance forms and or appeals. They're being tortured. One woman was tied up to a restraint chair while naked. They were, uh, the and then, guards And then were, pepper sprayed her. Right, were pepper spraying this woman. Her arms and legs were restrained as the guards proceeded to mace her in front of the other inmates until she agreed to stop screaming. Uh, this violates federal laws as well as international treaties. How they can think they're so untouchable, they can do this in front of so many witnesses. The reason is simple. No one cares. And they've gotten away with it for so many right. years. <laughs> the reason, I mean, essentially they are. Even the people we elect and pay to care about such atrocities look the other way. In fact, on this, I know on this website they've tried to get some of the, I guess, the bureaucrats or the elected uh, city bureaucrats to actually look into some of these allegations, and they're just they're just brushed under the rug and they're ignored. I mean, it's the government backing up the government as it always is, and so I think that one of the well, things, not always in these cases, but often enough that they can get away with it for a long period of time. Right. Well, I think that what we need to see happen here is more activists come here into New Hampshire. We just have more activists spre- spreading around doing various different things. I hope that we'll see some activists really take this, you know, take up the mantle of uh, of tri- treatment of prisoners. Uh, be the people that care about these guys because. This is a reality. When you get thrown in the pr- in a prison cell, for the most part, wherever you are, you're lucky if mom comes and sees you. In prison, you really get to find out who your friends are. Uh, you're lucky if people write you letters. You know, and so it's easy to be forgotten about. And many of these people have been forgotten about. And so if they're being tortured and they're being mistreated, they have no one they can tell about. it. They have no one they can confide in, no one they can trust, no one who who would know what to do, even if they were told about what was going on. So I think what we need to see is uh, more people watching what's going on in the so-called justice system. And I don't just mean in the prison cells. And I don't know how that one could go about doing that. Because these prisons won't let people in with cameras. Apparently, from what Kat says, the Monadnock prison, which is where around where we live, will let people in with cameras. But the, some of these other ones won't. So I don't know how you'd go about doing that. I guess you'd have to do like a civil disobedience thing where you basically tell the prison, look, I want to come in and record what your prison is like as a member of the media. And if you want to stop me, you're going to have to throw me in a prison cell, sort of like how Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com did with the, uh, the ban on panning cameras in, in courtrooms. 
But I think we should have people going into uh, these courts on a more regular basis and sitting in even on cases where we don't know the people. I mean, right now we only have enough activists to really respond when they attack one of our other activist friends. But I think it'd be great if we could have people going in. I remember, Mark, when, uh, when we lived down in Florida, there was this group of busybodies. And I forget what their, the name of their group was, but essentially they'd all wear the same color shirt. They had their little you know, custom-made shirts they'd wear, and they'd go into courtrooms, and their purpose was to encourage the judges to give uh, harsher sentences. Stop. So, no, to encourage. Stop. The name of the organization is STOP. And what does it stand for? Stop Turning Out Prisoners. There you go. Those people. Uh, they, they, you know, they wanted to encourage harsher sentences for th- people like drug abusers, nonviolent consensual criminals. So I think we should have something like the opposite up here in New Hampshire, where people go in and they, and they stay seated for the judge. They don't stand for the judge, and they're there maybe handing out literature to the other people in the courtrooms, turning going to court into an outreach occasion instead of just going to defend our activist buddies, which is really all we can do at this moment because we just don't have enough people here. So maybe some of those of you who are on the way to New Hampshire will keep that in mind as something that you could perhaps spearhead because to my knowledge nobody's doing stuff like that right now here in new hampshire yet and there are a lot of people that would appreciate someone giving a damn about them even if even if you're total strangers to them i think let's continue uh custodial sexual misconduct male guards do extend body searches extended body searches on female prisoners which border on groping pat searches uh pat search procedures surely do not include fondling of the breasts or other private parts of the body. The guards are constantly performing excessive and unnecessary strip searches on inmates just because they can. This, to me, is custodial sexual misconduct in any book you look in. An investigation of current and past female inmates would happily attest to this in a court of law, as with all the infractions listed here, or just look at documented U.S. District Court cases. Public and inmate safety. Laundry duty is performed by inmates. They're not given detergent to wash clothes. They only get baking soda, which is not sufficient to address the concerns of, in, like, spreads of, uh, spread of disease. Above, hmm. since all undergarments are shared with each inmate, yes, this week's panties may be the one Sally wore last week. Yeesh. Sally, who has hepatitis, and you must wear them or you're punished and can do nothing about it. If you try or you refuse, you are reprimanded and locked up in solitary for days at a time. Again, equal protection and cruel and unusual punishment come to mind here. Public and inmate safety. Sleeping areas and mattresses, again, are never washed and are shared among all incoming and current inmates. This would account for the high amount of staph infections and parasites at the facility, which, of course, are left untreated. Yeah, um, prisons are festering disease holes. I mean, <laughs> when and you and, and, and some of them are certainly better than others, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's not good. The, the the thing that's most dangerous to you in life are these other human beings that carry around all the diseases that you can get. And then you put them in close proximity like they do in, in prisons and jails? Well, one of the things they do to supposedly keep bacteria and virus to a minimum is keep the cold. jail cold, and that's the next issue. The jail temperature is a constant 58 degrees. Ugh. And I'm not sure if you've ever known anyone with muscular or fibroid diseases or even arthritis. This temperature can be very, very painful with someone with severe fibroid diseases, especially when you're sleeping on a steel slab with little more than a sleeping bag is padding. 58 degrees is far below the American Disabilities Act regulations. I was talking to one former inmate that was there during the winter months, and he said he almost had a half inch of ice on his cell wall. The purpose is twofold and designed to make the inmates suffer needlessly, as well as keeping bacteria and viruses to a minimum. 
constant verbal abuse. The female inmates at this facility are constantly being verbally abused by the guards, being called effing bitches and other vulgarities on a regular basis. Nice. This slowly and constantly strips the female inmates of any dignity they may have left. These are human beings, not animals. And many of these inmates are young kids, 18, 19 years old, who have made mistakes. They're not career criminals. Guards accepting bribes. It's a common occurrence for guards to accept even request items from inmates uh, from the inmates' commiss- commiss- commissionaire in exchange for additional privileges. This leaves the question of what else has been used as bribes and what is the monetary value that they're willing to do. A bribe is a bribe no matter if it's a five-cent fireball, sexual favors, or $1,000. So the major complaint, this is back to Kat Canning from the uh, New Hampshire Free Press, from the women of the uh, jail was about health care. Incoming prisoners are subjected to sudden withdrawal from psychotropic drugs, which is extremely dangerous. While I was at the prison, one of them committed one of the prisoners committed suicide. I don't know if it was due to sudden withdrawal or other reasons, but stopping these medications abruptly can give people suicidal impulses. One woman I spoke with couldn't get her prescription given to her until her blood pressure rose to dangerous levels. I witnessed another woman being given inappropriate psychotropic drugs, causing her to act crazy until she decided to discontinue them. One evening, a young woman had some medical problem, which caused her to lose consciousness. She hit the cement hard, lay there, knocked out cold. Minutes later, Corporal Saucier made her get up and walk out of the room. While if, when a federal, fellow prisoner, prisoner suggested the woman needed a stretcher or wheelchair, she was punished for speaking out. Not being able to imagine how anyone could stand locking people up like animals as a, as a livelihood, I asked why people become prison guards. The guards I chatted with viewed their jobs as helping people rather than punishing them. One guard spent a lot of time encouraging people to go to the AA meetings or the other addiction meetings and pointed out how they had helped some prisoners by teaching them new skills. Some prisoners arrive having never made a bed or with no experience at keeping a room clean, for instance. More on the way. We'll uh, come back with more. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We're launching here in hour number three of the program. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's Free Talk Live. Dot com. Lots to talk about here. Julia joining us, uh, thankfully, for the third and final hour of the program. We'll take as much of her as we can get. Uh, we continue with your phone calls, and then we'll get into a story about child pornography. But I don't know if I agree that it actually involves a child. We'll talk about that. But first we go to your calls. Matt in California, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Matt. Hey, Ian, Mark. How you guys doing? What's on your mind, Matt? Hold on, let me take you off speakerphone. First. That's all right. Okay, Not now I have you on regular phone. Um, I got I've been listening to the podcast, and uh, I deal with neighbors like that who about the couch and how she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to face you, which is seem kind of a petty. But since she's being petty, and she's got the side of the government on her side, what I suggest to you is make an art replica of the couch. Ten times as big as it normally is, it's a piece of art, and now she has to come because it's not illegal. 
You're talking about the situation where some anonymous neighbor of mine has snitched me out to the government here in Keene, New Hampshire, and they're now threatening me with uh, possibly putting me in a cold cage uh, as, a, as a result of it. Uh, you're suggesting I make an art replica of the couch? Right, an art replica of the couch. Make it ten times bigger than it normally would be, because she won't come face you, which seems really, really small and childish and petty. Yeah. But since she won't, I mean, and she has the side of the government on her side, which is unfortunate as well. But, you know, make, make, make an art piece out of it. You know, make, make a replica or, or turn that – I don't know if you can turn that couch into a piece of art. But get a bunch of people together, give them the forms, have, <laughs> just have a weekend where you guys make a huge wooden couch, ten times bigger than the one that you have on the lawn. I think it's a neat idea. I think it has you know? value. Yeah, I'm not much of a construction guy. I don't really. I, I'm, I'm barely able to hammer nails. Uh, correctly, there are but, certainly a, 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 a bevy of free staters that would uh, be able to do something like this, um, and you would have to. Is all they have to do is be presented with the idea? Yeah, and I think that this could be. You know, I, I, I think it's. I think there's a lot of value to this it, idea. It, I don't know if I, I have wanna... to mull it over a couple of days to decide whether it's. Uh, you know, the best. I'd kind of like to see the laws, whether or not art would be allowed at that I'm point. I'm pretty sure that they would. They would uh, get you for that too. You think so? I think so. I don't think they can, and it's, it's art. You can put art on your lawn. Most zoning, because I have an ex-girlfriend who works in the zoning plant, uh, board for one of the cities here in California, and art is one of those things that can't, it really isn't regulated because it's a, there's a freedom. Uh, it falls within the uh, freedom of speech kind of thing. Um, so I do believe that you can. And even, but even, even that, make it, put a sign on, on the piece of art saying, if you'd like this art, piece of art removed, Please come see me at my house. My name is Mark. Uh, 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 my name is Ian, and I live at this address. And my phone number is this. If you and, want this piece of art, and move, you can you can me. you can sell the piece of art to her at the cost that the uh, county or town is uh, charging you for whatever <laughs> yes. this nonsense is. You know, I I think there's value. I I I don't know a signage. I know you're going to get in trouble for if they want to get 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 after you on signage because signage is uh, something that's well right. regulated in zoning. Um, and and I had thought about the same thing. Essentially, you know, a uh, a, a threat. Out there, a uh, ultimatum for for uh, whom you know whomever the uh, the miscreant is. I, I think it's a fine idea, but but at the same time, I, it's not my yard; it's my neighbor's yard. Uh, and the backyard is you could just move it over a little. That way, you'd have enough room for it. Yeah, but then it wouldn't right. be visible. Uh, the, sure that whole yard is is my neighbor's. Uh, basically, they utilize it; it's their yard. So I wouldn't want to put something in their yard that they they didn't want. Uh, first and foremost, but I think it's a fine, fine idea, and in an, in another situation, it might work really, really well. And I thank you for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. It's not my yard; it's theirs. They rent they rent the house, so they get to put what they want out there. And secondly. You know, I don't really like the idea of having a couch in the yard, so I don't know if I'd like the idea of having the art in the yard either. I'm the only pretty reason... sure that they would find some way to get you for that. I'm sure like, they could. I'm sure that there's some law that is not written. It's very... Um, Vague. Yeah, ex- exactly, because they do that all the time, so I'm sure there's some law that it can fall under.
Someone had actually originally suggested just calling it art, saying, hey, that's not a couch, it's an art, you know, it's a sculpture or art or something like that. And again, that's not my interest. It's not my interest to keep the couch there. What I'm interested in, and I, I've actually talked about this in detail uh, a couple nights ago on Free Minds TV, and I think the episode of that just hit the internet tonight on the Free Keen channel over at YouTube. It should show up later at freekeen.com if it's not already there. But uh, Free, Free Minds TV very graciously had me on for their entire program. We talked about civil disobedience and non-cooperation in general. And what I pointed out, what I want to make clear, and what I will make clear to the government people, I'm going to make them another offer, I think, uh, is that I have no problem getting rid of this couch. I have no problem. What I have a problem with is being threatened. That's what I have a problem with. I don't think that's a very adult way to go about doing things. I think it's a very childish way to do things. It's a very bullying sort of way to do things. If you want to get your neighbors to do something that you want them to do, you need to learn how to persuade. You need to learn how to go and approach them and talk to them like they're an adult and treat them like they're an adult so they feel like they're being respected like an adult would be respected. And then maybe they'll actually listen to what it is that you have to say, whatever it is the complaint is that you have about their property. Now, look. I'm all for property rights, and I understand that it is my property and that I should be able to put whatever I want on it. I was sitting having lunch with the uh, the couch enforcer, Carl Patton, the other day. Actually, Who was a was jerk, breakfast. actually, when I was dealing with him. You mean as far as the, the working at Panera? Yes. Uh, so I, I was, didn't even know it was him, and I thought, gosh, this guy's a real jerk. He tried to cut in line, right? Yeah, like five people. <laughs> Well, anyway, so I was having lunch with uh, with uh, with uh, or breakfast with Carl Patton, and I was t- he was telling me about some guy that was uh, living out in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and he'd decided to put washing machines and old stoves and you know everything that he could possibly scavenge in his front lawn, basically. And he said, "So are you telling me that if this guy was living down the street from you, that you'd be okay with it?" And I said. Well, I mean, I might find it tacky, but one of the reasons why I don't live in a deed-restricted neighborhood is because I don't care what my neighbors do. Go ahead and put a damn stove out in your front lawn. It's your lawn. You can do whatever you want with it. So, yeah, it wouldn't bother me at all. So I'm all in favor of property rights. And if you want to have five couches out in your lawn, have have yourself a couch party. That's your business. And if I want to avoid that sort of behavior, I will go and contract with my neighbors in a deed-restricted community where we can all tell, you know, fight with one another over how high our bushes should be and what colors the houses are allowed to be and that nonsense. But I'm not interested in that. However, I do understand the idea of not wanting to have a couch in the, in the lawn, and I'm willing to do as this neighbor lady would like me to do and remove it as long as she will be willing to come talk to me like a big girl. That's all I'm asking, and I don't think that's unreasonable. So if they will do, if she'll do that, then I'll move the couch. And I'm thinking what I might do as far as making my other offer to the city is since today was the last day of the two-week period that I'd given them to find an agreement between us, you know, how they, they say that I owe them this money, right, for having the couch in the lawn. Well, I wrote them back two weeks ago, and I said, you know, I'd be happy to pay your fine just as long as you show me the signed uh, original agreement with my signature and a signature of one of your agents <laughs> that binds me to all, these, uh, all, the, all of these rules. You've got 14 days. Well, today was day number 14, so next week I'm going to write something up, and I'm going to take it into the, the code enforcer guy, the top guy over there, who's also apparently the, uh, the assistant city manager. So he's a pretty high-up bureaucrat uh, here in the so-called city of Keene. And I'm basically going to say, look, you know, how about this? Since this woman's too cowardly to come and meet me, how about I get rid of the couch as long as you sign this form saying that there are no agreements between us? 
So if there are no agreements, it, you know, except for the one that he's going to sign, obviously, which I don't think he'll actually sign. But that way I'll give them the opportunity to cut the woman out of the picture because she may not even actually exist. She might have been made I don't up. Think I think there's a good exists. chance. Uh, so, so I don't know if that's true or not, but it would cut her out of the picture and allow them to make all of this going go away simply by signing a piece of paper. Here Which you go. Which they like to paperwork. They like paperwork. So, I mean, they, 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 they took my paperwork last time. You saw the trial footage, right? Yes. Uh, so the, I think you should get something uh, and they also took that uh, waives any fees or fines or uh, judgments against you by the uh, city for this. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, also. that would be the other thing. Yeah, that's that was in my first offer, so I'll carry that one over, that this whole thing, you make this go away. Uh, you, you essentially discharge the matter, and then you sign this saying that there are no agreements between us, and I'll get rid of the couch within, you know, 7 or 14 days or something like that. So we'll see what they say to that. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. We've got archives. So if you missed a moment of the show, just click download. They're yours. Free. Going back an entire year. Right there on the front page of the site. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy. The Institute for Humane Studies has uh, internships uh, for the summer... uh, uh, late, early summer, spring, and fall in production, print and broadcast, public policy. You can uh, find out more about these. Each of these have a, have a stipend. They, so they give you a couple of grand to uh, take care of expenses. They have how, housing and travel allowance, um, some tuitions to different uh, career development workshops, that kind of thing, some books. Check, check it out at uh, libertarianinternships.com and find out more. As we go to your phone calls, uh, coming to Dennis in New Hampshire on the Amp Line. Hello, Dennis. Hello, folks. What's on your mind tonight? So I'm, I'm, I've got, I guess, a little bit of a dilemma, and I'm going to ask for recommendations from the group. Okay. So I, I thought we were in a really awesome position here with the, um, the, the state representative elections in New Hampshire. We have a lot of great people running. We got rid of straight ticket voting, so a lot is going to depend on kind of what information people get between now and Election Day. It, it's kind of really going to change the formula here. Okay. And so the Liberty Alliance had taken the time, right? We've been watching how these people vote. So we've got the dirt. We've got all the ammunition. We know who's been naughty, who's been nice, who's done stuff that they think no one will remember, right? Yeah. You guys over at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance have done an amazing job. You've got so much volunteer. Uh, you've got so many volunteers that you can really do some incredible stuff that's just not going on anywhere else, like keep an eye on these politicians and, in fact, even give them uh, a score. You give them a report card every single year on how liberty-oriented they are. And so what's this have to do with the election? Well, so for, for this election, we're really looking to pull out all the stops, right? We want to all the ammo we got now is the time to fire. Okay, right. You've got a you've got 151 or 153 uh, endorsed candidates running in this election. I mean, a, a tremendous amount. Exactly. So here's here's what we did. We know which districts are the critical ones, ones where the pro liberty people have a real decent shot, and there's more than one of them. Okay. okay? So 
we, we put up some, some voting guides. We put these things together. We're in the process of putting together, and they're awesome. I mean, they're awesome. We have a nice little picture of exactly what the ballot's going to look like with a nice, big, you know, bold-faced check here for the people that, you know, to vote for. Okay. And then we've got the good, the bad, and the ugly on these people, the good ones and the bad ones, like this person missed more than half of the votes over the last two years, mm. or this one voted for an income tax, or this one voted literally, you know, we could quote the little the thing that says, you know, believes that the government knows better than parents how best to raise their children. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. You know, we can, we can, you know, we've got these all listed out, right? So it's damning. The people who are here who are bad, their neighbors are going to know, oh, my God, you voted what? You know, violated your oath to the Constitution, voted against allowing New Hampshire residents to make formal complaints against the government? Are That's good. Me? It's an important time to remind people of those things because, like you say, uh, and as we've observed over the years on Free Talk Live, people forget. You know, they, they just don't. They didn't local, pay attention in the first place, right, and they local, forget, uh, you know, over time. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. This is a good time to put this stuff in front of people. So where's the, where's the dilemma? Well, okay, so here's the problem. We thought, or we were under the assumption, that political speech is the most protected kind of speech. It's the kind that Congress shall make no law and so forth. It's really the bar set very high. So our plan was, look, we, there isn't enough money in the organization, not by a factor of 100, to mail enough of these out to people. Mm-hmm. But there is enough money to print out reams and reams, thousands and thousands of, of copies, and we have enough volunteers who can stand there you know, on election day and just hand them out to anyone who wants one. Hey, voting guide, voter's guide, voter's guide. Sure, sure. I mean, I, there was, I went to the polling booth the last time. There was somebody standing out there with a sign, and sure, I, I can't imagine why they wouldn't uh, be handing out pieces of paper. We went through, I you know, read the statutes on election law and electioneering, and there is a restriction on candidates. Candidates are not allowed to do what they call electioneering, which includes distributing handbills at <laughs> polling places. But they can stand there with a sign. They can stand there with a sign. <laughs> okay. But that's all the law says. So if we just go by New Hampshire statutes, that's all it says. So as long as supporters are the ones that are handing out the handbills, then it's okay? Well, if it's not prohibited in the law, typically the assumption is it's not illegal. Okay, that, that's However, a pretty reasonably safe assumption. It turns out that the, the state legislature has granted to each town the ability to set whatever so rules and bylaws they wish along electioneering, and that just has to be posted somewhere in the town. Hmm. And what we're, getting, what we're discovering is Lots and lots and lots of at least the town moderators. We don't know yet about the town governments, but the people who are responsible, the little kings of of the polling places for that one day every two years, are almost universally saying, nope, that's not allowed. We're not going to allow that. You can't do that. Mm. And here's where I am. The most critical election, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. I believe the most critical election potentially, uh, you know, for a long time. The House of Representatives in the state of New Hampshire, this is what's going to determine whether you hear good news or bad news for the next two years out of New Hampshire, okay? And we, we know we have the resources to swing it. I mean, to really swing it, to swing right. it profoundly pro-liberty. It's just that it would be illegal. Uh-oh! What are you going to do, Dennis? That's my question. <laughs> what would you do? Well, you know, recently... Oh, uh, I'll tell you what I will do, Dennis. Um, I, I will go to my polling place in my town, and I will hand out your flyers. Civil disobedience? Mark, you're God going to engage in you. civil disobedience? 
Uh, well, they, I, that's not civil disobedience. Wait a minute, Mark. He it's just told you it's illegal. Not. Look, he just no, told you it's, it's illegal. It's not illegal. You can't write New an Hampshire. unconstitutional law. That's not. Yes, you can. They do it all the time. Crap. You know, you we know. We don't even have a cop. What are they going to do? Uh, well, they'll call the, the sheriff or Let something them. like that. But, but I, I, I hope I can get somebody out there with a camera. You know, Dennis, I had a situation uh, this last primary where Don Lincoln, another Free State Project, uh, Free State Free State Project member, had uh, she lives in the area here in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. And she was running for, uh, I guess, uh, state rep in the in the primary. And she'd asked, uh, or she, actually, she didn't ask. I approached her and offered my assistance because she came out and she held a sign for Julia back when Julia was running for city council. And so figured, well, that's that's fair. Let's let's fair let her know fair, that we're sure. we're more than happy to help. So even though I am uh, a, a very, I have quite a bit of distaste in my mouth for politics, I'm still willing to help out here and there when I feel like I can. And in this instance, I felt like I I can I could and should. And so I went to. This one polling location in, oh, where the hell was it? Surrey, I guess. Nobody was there. I mean, it was like, I was supposed to stand out there and hold the sign. I think the town has half the residents. Yeah, uh, it, was, no, it has like 600 residents. It was like one person driving in every hour. So it really wasn't even worth staying out there for. But nonetheless, I, I did. But when I went up there and I went into the little uh, polling area to, to ask where it was I was supposed to be, because it wasn't obvious. There was no one else out there standing doing anything. So it wasn't. there was no obvious area. Area, like, okay, here's where you're supposed to be. Yeah, your uh, free speech zone. Yeah, she said, she told me, you need to be out there in that field. And she pointed to this uh, plot of grass that was like 300 yards away from the actual entrance to the building. And uh, we'll continue this discussion and talk about it here in a moment. Hang on, Dennis. 800-259-9231. Dennis Scottard from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance cluing us in as to apparently a developing situation that could result in perhaps perhaps some politicos getting their feet wet in the realm of civil disobedience. This is actually kind of exciting. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. <laughs> Sorry about that. Had a little bit of uh, looping audio there. My apologies to anybody that was bugged by that. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. you if you wouldn't have said anything, thing. people would have just thought it was, yeah, they it was supposed thought. to happen. Anyway, 1-800-259-9231, no one would have thought that was supposed to happen. It is Ian here with you. Oh, well, darn it, Julia is not here often enough. I'm you not remembering do that a lot. Well, that's because you're not here for the whole show, so I'm not in the habit of it. And Julia... And Mark. All right. So 1-800-259-9231. You can call about anything. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those on us. And those features include the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free. If you go to bbs.freetalklive.com, that's bbs.freetalklive.com. And according to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative, privacyharbor.com, because normal email is not secure. That's privacyharbor.com. 
We are on the line with Dennis, uh, Dennis Goddard from New Hampshire. He is the husband of the president of the Free State Project. He's also one of the, I guess, top dogs over at the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. I think, uh, Dennis, were you a founding member of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance? No, no. In fact, I'm an outgoing member of the – well, I'm just going to be, still be a member, but I uh, uh, I will probably not be on the board of directors in about 24 hours. Oh, well, anyway. You're, I'm sure you'll still be active. <laughs> you guys are doing some... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll still be just as active, but uh, there's another there's another guy willing to step up to the plate who is uh, running for research director, and uh, that will let someone else do all the board voting and stuff and let me do the other activism, which is cool. So what you've been telling us tonight, you guys are doing some amazing work uh, in the realm of inside-the-system sort of activity, stuff that's just not happening anywhere else, I, I don't think, in the world. Uh, and one of those things that you are actually talking about here is doing some outreach on election day to try to promote some liberty-oriented candidates, in fact, quite a few uh, liberty-oriented candidates. But as you were doing research into what it's going to take to do this, you discovered that there's some sort of restrictions in place in most of the uh, most of the towns around New Hampshire that actually prevent people from giving out uh, voting information or voters' guides or any sort of handouts out in front of voting polling or out in front of polling locations. And so you're kind of in a, a bit of a pickle here wherein you are sort of working in a, an organization that is basically an inside-the-system group, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, but here's the system telling you, screw you, you can't give out your information to the people that are coming to vote, but you really would like to give out information to people because you just can't afford to send it to them in the mail. You'd rather do it right there, right then, at uh, at election day, outside the polling locations. And so your dilemma is, are you going to encourage people to uh, to violate this law and actually go ahead and commit what is essentially civil disobedience and hand out the flyers anyway and possibly face a, you know, being summoned to court, possibly face jail time? I mean, is that essentially a good recap of where we were? Well, the bit about going to jail was yours, Ian. Um, to, to, to be honest, I, I thought, you know, I'd like to fix this problem, not get thrown to jail for it. Um, so the first things that came to my mind were, you know, yes, at, at, if, if all else fails, if all means of redress have been tried, there's always, you know, just disobey. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, I'd like to get this, the whole thing changed. How? And the way I would do that in this case, potentially, is to bring suit against first the state to, you know, look, this is a non-constitutional restriction on on you know political protected speech, and I'd be willing to go so far if I have to of retaining a lawyer to assist me in doing this. But could you pull that off in fight. the next three weeks? That's the problem. We're talking about time here. Yeah. Um, well, it other, really, uh, Dennis. Um, for one thing, it's going to cost a lot more. For it would seem to me, it would cost a lot more to bring it in the civil side, getting the the lawyer involved and all that other stuff. It would. I would think you would have more luck from a, a criminal aspect where somebody you force the hand of the state. I'd be I'd be willing to do it if my uh, town was one of them, and I don't I don't suspect they are. Um, is one of them that that say you can't pass out handbills, um, you know, at the polling place. I can see not in the election room, but outside yeah. the building, that that that's wrong. Although, well, and you know, th- this is what I was thinking on the on the other side of of that, which is you know the individuals. I'm just making this known. The if any individual, say police officer or other election officer, was to operate quote-unquote, under color of law, and deprive me of my constitutional rights, I would strongly consider, and I, I'm you know, thinking about you know, really floating this by a real live lawyer, um, 
take that person to civil court for damages. I want restitution. Hmm. This man has deprived me of my constitutional rights. I either want him imprisoned or I want to be financially compensated and I want my court costs covered. This man, this individual, Officer Joe, whatever, is a criminal. Interesting approach. Yeah. Um, I, my, my big concern, and, and by the way, you know, the, the, the Liberty Alliance does not have a position on on this issue, and that we're still talking to the Secretary of State, and he's busy, he's in meetings, you know, it's near election time. So this all could amount to nothing. Okay. So, you know, don't, don't start a war before anyone's needed to have one. But if it comes down to it, another thing to consider is that the Liberty Alliance is able to get a lot of things done because we have a good brand name, not just among extreme libertarians, but among the stuffy people that have been elected to the state house forever and a day, even the ones who oppose us completely, they're PO that we exist. They know that we're a, a real, you know, organization. We're inside. We can talk to them. They're not. They don't see us as outside. It gives us a huge amount of leverage to be inside. That's that's why we do this. So we, we don't want to be just calling attention to ourselves and tarnishing our brand. I see. But if I was out there handing out these flyers, I wouldn't be doing it on the, on behalf of you. I'd be doing it on behalf of me. So I don't know if I would necessarily – I guess because it would be your flyer, maybe that would be how it would be tied to you. But I don't know. I, here's other, what I was going to tell you about. The on the flyer is not copyrighted. I mean anyone can That's copy true. and paste. That's true. Um, so here's what I was going to tell you. I was out, give, I was out at this, uh, this one polling location, and they told me I had to go stand in this field like 300, uh, 300 yards away or 300 feet, whatever. It was a long way uh, away from the front door. And I went out there and, and I did it because I didn't care. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't being asked to do anything but hold a sign and hand out information, which I was nowhere near anyone to where I could hand out information. But it wasn't like it wasn't my campaign. It wasn't my deal. I was just kind of helping someone. So I didn't want to cause a stir. And I could have caused a stir. I could have just, you know, not asked permission and just went up right next, you know, near in the vicinity of the front door and just held something there and started handing stuff out until someone said something. Thing, and then I could have, who knows what I would have done after that. But it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was my place in that particular instance to do something like that because I didn't have, you know, I didn't have prior uh, approval from the candidate and it wasn't my campaign. And so, but in a case like this, if you guys are going to encourage something like that, I could see, uh, I could possibly see getting involved in that, even though it is still sort of a political issue and I'd still a little see why you have an av- aversion to getting uh, liberty minded people elected to state government. Would you, would you want to see people actually go ahead and push it to see? if they arrested them, or would you want them to back Certainly down? Certainly not if the, if the Liberty Alliance name is on things. I think getting arrested is just not going to help the organization. So that's, you know, that, that's part of it. Is like I'd, I'd rather lick my wounds for two years and fight a battle than to screw up a brand name that has taken five years to, you know, to really polish. I see. But that, that said, the information is, is out there. Um, so, well, so how does you, – I mean, you, you're really going to have to put some plan together, uh, Dennis. Is if, if the, <laughs> an organi- uh, a movement has to have a head um, to some extent, and, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go out there if I haven't been given – you know, told that the, the NHLA is going to back me up. Well, you know, on the, on the other hand, I'm not going to be on the board of directors in another probably 24 hours. So at that point, I can do whatever I want with this information and, you know, not Let's have go. an NHLA name on it. Let's do it. Well, we'll find out what happens and let us know. Okay, Dennis? Hey, I got one quick question for yeah. you. A question slash observation. You know, 
you know that if you go and burn an American flag pretty much in front of a courthouse, whatever, you're not likely to get arrested, right? Yeah. It's pretty well known that's like one of those protected speech things. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Well, the, the reason for that is someone actually took that to the Supreme Court. In New Hampshire? No, that that's a federal thing. Oh, but they might get they might get the flag burner for an illegal burn without a permit. Thanks, Dennis, for yeah, the call. The- More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments, we'll try to sneak you in. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, we need your vote. Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. Cast your vote in the monthly voting contest over uh, contest over at podcastalley.com. When we are number one as are we currently number one mark i know it's we been, are it's been a tough, it's been close it's been a tough contest so far this month uh when we're number one that means more people will come across the show and be exposed to the ideas of freedom and liberty so if that's valuable to you and if you're listening to the show it probably is please go to vote.freetalklive.com it doesn't matter if you're a radio listener you can still vote for us as long as you have an internet connection and an email address and the email is only used for verification purposes. It is not uh, sold or spammed. It's just to prove you're a real person. So please go to vote.freetalklive.com. It takes you less than a minute, and it makes a big difference for us. Again, vote.freetalklive.com. We go to Jeremy in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. I wanted to talk about cloning marijuana. Cloning it? Okay. Well, I was wondering, so each time you clone one plant, it makes a stronger plant, right? Weaker. Is that true? I thought it was weaker. Well, That's why you keep the mom. So if you if you uh, if you take a strain from a really strong plant and then clone it with another really strong plant and turn it into a really beautiful plant. That makes everybody feel good. What's wrong with that? Hey, man, I'm all in favor of feeling good. So, uh, whatever happened with... Huh? <laughs> Sorry, I was busy. What? Whatever happened with your couch? Uh, it's, it's still there. It's still moldering on the lawn. Yeah, it's still sitting there. They're going to, you know, take me... They want me to go to their trial on the 29th, and which I didn't consent to, and they just seem to be forcing me into... Uh, and uh, they are going to try to have me have this trial, which apparently doesn't involve a jury, nor does it involve me being able to face my accusers. So I don't know if it really qualifies as a trial, but that's what they're calling it. And so they're probably going to try to railroad me into that, uh, probably going to try to you know, threaten me with a fine, which I'm not going to pay, which may result in them throwing me into a cage. I'm hoping to head it all off at the pass by going and making an offer to them that uh, they will hopefully accept, because... It'll just make it all go away. I mean, they don't really want to be seen as the town that threw somebody in a cage because he had a couch in his lawn, right? I hope they don't want to be seen that way. Ian, I I think they should uh, just uh, leave the couch alone and let people sleep on it and... Party around there when they want. To. I agree. Nobody with you, wants to Jeremy. get anywhere near that disgusting thing. <laughs> Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Julia, what do you what do you think about the, uh, the 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 moldering piece of garbage in the lawn? Well, what I really like about the moldering piece of garbage in the lawn is that it's been here for two years and I've never seen it. Never. 
Oh, you've seen it. Don't be silly. Well, I, no, I've seen it since this has come up, okay. but I had no idea that there was a couch in the lawn, Prior and you to really it. can't see <laughs> it. That much is a very true point. I uh, went looking for it. To, uh, Manuel Laura um, came to town, and I was he wanted to see the legendary piece of garbage that Ian has on his lawn, and I went back there, and I knew that it, I knew where the backyard was. I, I figured I could find a couch. I walked past it within th- you know, six feet. And it's right feet. next to the sidewalk. It's right next to the, the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked right past it. It's between two trees, and it's the color Shrubs, of grass. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a bush. <laughs> so your answer to the question is you didn't even know it was there? No. You don't care. And now that you know it's there, how do you feel? I don't care. It's You can't even see it. You don't feel trashy? No, it's not even on our no. side of the house. I, we got a nicer house than any any of my other friends. I don't know, I've never had anybody. I don't think anybody thinks we're trashy. Apparently, the lady down the street who uh, is too scared uh, to come talk to me. She doesn't exist at all, please. Yeah. She doesn't exist. Well, then they're lying to me, which wouldn't surprise me because that's what government people do best, right? Lie and threaten. All right. 800-259-9231. Mark, you've got a story for us. <laughs> child porn. But is it a child? Well, that's, I guess some people could debate that. I would say no way in hell. Well, it had to happen, and we've predicted it on this show. It, this hasn't happened before? I don't think like it has. I I remember a uh, situation where a boy and a girl took pictures sort of of each other. Yes, and got. got in trouble for child porn, but however, in Newark, Ohio, a 15-year-old girl has been arrested by police on charges of child pornography. Both Uh the girl and her victim have not been identified. Because they're the same person. Yes, police oh arrested gosh. the girl for sexually exploiting herself because she took a nude photograph of herself. She has been charged with the illegal use of a minor in nudity-oriented material and possession of criminal tools. Illegal use of a minor in nudity-oriented material. Dude, I have so many pictures of myself naked from, like, age 16. Is that illegal? Wait, you have yes. them here? Yeah. Oh. Well, I don't know if you should have revealed that on the radio. We could have the SWAT team kicking in our door here in moments. Well, you can't tell what picture I am in the in or what age, what age I, what age I, I am in the pictures. I don't think that matters. I don't think that matters. They're digital. How, how do they determine that anyway? I mean, if they find well, this... she must still be fifteen. She is. She is. So I'm twenty three. If you okay. pull up naked pictures of me and SWAT team says, "How old are you in these pictures?" I'm eighteen. Oh, are you really going to prove I was 15? Well, Please. that's what I want to know is how do they know? I mean, if the, if you're not dealing with somebody who is currently 15, and let's just say that... You must not be able to unless it's one of those old pictures that has a date on it. I, this is really the question. How can you arrest a 15-year-old for pictures of themselves for using a minor, the illegal use of a minor in nudity-oriented She's material? She's corrupting herself, Mark. Right. It doesn't make any sense. What really bothers uh, me about this is... Like, when I was taking the pictures or when whatever, having them taken of me or, I mean, either way, I never thought to myself, like, ooh, this is illegal, this is dangerous or bad. Yeah, I had no idea. So if I would have, if something would have happened to me and I would have gotten in trouble for that, I would have been just, like, caught caught off guard. Huh. Well, what I was curious about is when they come across somebody with a bunch of these pictures, not the not the young lady that uh, that took them, but somebody, the end consumer, okay, of the pictures, and you're dealing with somebody who is a very petite, for instance, a young lady that maybe she is really 18, but maybe she doesn't have the uh, the body of an 18-year-old, for instance, like a barely legal sort of situation. 
without a legitimate uh, i mean in the porn industry they have to have records so when a porn video is published or pictures are put on a porn website they have to have records in order for some government bureaucrat to go comb through to prove that the you know the young lady in question was indeed 18 at the time of the photographs but if what you're dealing with is a, is essentially an amateur photo which is what we're talking about here is it just that if the cop thinks that it's an underage uh, person, that therefore it's it's child pornography? How is that ever proven? Well, the, the thing is, is that most of the most people are going to bar, plea bargain out. Um, this is going to be, in most cases, this is going to be wrapped in with a bunch of other charges, and they're going to plea out, and they're going to end up as a sex offender, and they're never have going to gone to trial for it. And that's what's wrong about this whole system. If you're going to charge somebody with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, child pornography, you you need to try them for child pornography. It says the teen denied the charges. I'm looking at the same article you are. Do you know what's going to happen here, Mark? Well, I, I, I assume she's going to take it to court. Um, Hope so. The, apparently, the pictures, uh, the alleged pictures, were on a, taken on a phone camera. It, this girl would be in prison, forced to register as a sex offender. Um, That's sick. It, it's not. It's stupid. It's just dumb, um, and it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the, the girl in question sent the uh, photo to uh, to the phone of a few friends, and prosecutors are now considering arresting the other teens for oh, receiving geez. child pornography. Um, so, I mean, it's, this is so crazy. You know, I've got this quote from, I what don't know if, if they you, didn't want it. What if I, I mean, I could send you an email right now, maybe that you don't want to look at. Yeah. You're absolutely. a recipient of that email. You could text me on my phone with a picture that I don't need to see. Uh, here, I'm, a, I'm looking at ABC news version of this story, Mark, and they got a quote from the prosecutor in the area. Here's what he says. There's a totally false perception among juveniles that there's no risk to this. That picture, once taken and sent, gives anyone who receives it the ability to do anything with it forever. If a picture of you found its way onto the Internet, that's going to haunt you, potentially, forever. So, young lady, we're going to have to arrest you and charge you as a sex offender. Right. You and all your little friends, that'll fix it. Right, the, the picture that was allegedly possibly going to haunt you forever on the Internet, which is ludicrous, by Instead, the way. Instead, the, the conviction as a right. sex offender can haunt you far, far more. Right. This guy is a bleeding idiot he's a jackass he really is he's a dangerous man abusing his power he should be run out of he town probably on a rail. Really, like wants to look at the picture he's probably some sick freak who likes little it's, girls that it's, is usually how it plays it's out. usually yeah. how it goes so there you go. Uh, there are more stories about this. In fact, I had one uh, which is, I thought was going to be the same story, but this is from Texas, where a 13-year-old boy, uh, he apparently received a, a picture, a naked picture. It says here that uh, the young man did receive a picture. Now he is possibly going to, I believe he's going to be charged. He was arrested. He'd probably be charged if he was arrested. So apparently it was an 8th grade female student that texted him a naked picture of herself. No word as to whether or not the female has been arrested, but the 13-year-old boy was arrested for receiving the picture. This is an insane society we live in, and we're done, unfortunately, for tonight. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.